0: Oh Some of the things we recovered from your stateroom.
1: This was mine. How extraordinary. And it looks the same as it did the last time I saw it.
0: A 101-year-old woman remembers her voyage aboard the doomed ship Titanic in an opening scene from Titanic, which after all the publicity and all the delays and all the reports about its world record budget, Turns out to be a glorious Hollywood epic, wonderfully well-crafted and well worth the wait. The film begins with eerie actual footage of the real Titanic in its watery grave two and a half miles below the sea. Relics brought back from that wreck trigger the old woman's memory, and it's her story, told in flashback, that provides the movie's dramatic focus. Her name is Rose, and as a young woman, she's played by Kate Winslet. She's engaged to marry a supercilious American millionaire named Hockley, played here by Billy Zane.
1: I don't see what all the fuss is about. It doesn't look any bigger
2: than the Mauritania. You can be blasé about some things, Rose, but not about Titanic. It's over 100 feet longer than Mauritania, and far more luxurious.
0: Also on board for that maiden voyage in 1912, a young passenger named Jack, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He just won his ticket in a poker game.
1: You know somebody? Of course not, that's not the point. Goodbye, Missy. Goodbye!
0: Although Rose is engaged, she's far from being in love, and Jack's high spirits captivate her. Soon she's sneaking away from her boring fiancé to spend time with this charmer from Steerage. great ship hits an iceberg and slowly starts to sink. The special effects in the film are remarkably convincing and effective, especially in a virtuoso sequence at the end that shows in detail the stages of the Titanic's final convulsion.
1: I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the first heaven and the first earth that passed away.
0: Titanic was written and directed by James Cameron, who was specialized in special effects pictures. New underwater documentary footage is tied effortlessly into scenes that recreate the original ship in all of her glory. And the dramatic tale is handled intelligently and it's acted well. It's not just melodramatic soap opera. But all of those accomplishments pale before the remarkable final hour of the movie, in which the death throes of the Titanic are recreated in spectacular detail. It could have all just been a lot of screaming and running around and fire and steam, but Cameron prepares us for what's going to happen. There's a little documentary animation that they show to the old woman, so we know what to look for. And then he structures his film so that we understand how and why the ship is sinking. Titanic is in the great tradition of Hollywood epic filmmaking. Oh,
2: it's very exciting, and I want to reemphasize the point you made about at the very beginning of the film, she is shown and we are shown using computers intelligently in a movie. Yes, a yes. computer simulation of
0: how it sunk. What happened? That it got too close? It couldn't steer very mm-hmm. well? All of that. So we now have a blueprint in our mm-hmm. heads for exactly what happened for the rest of the picture. Mm-hmm.
2: That's mm-hmm. a masterstroke of storytelling. Yes, it is. There's one other element that I want to stress, and that's okay. Leonardo
0: DiCaprio. Uh-huh.
2: This guy finally from Gilbert Grape which was a transcendent uh, piece of acting yes, it was. he's come up with another mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. in a story that as you say could have been melodrama I think he is just absolutely captivating mm-hmm. by comparison she doesn't come she comes off as flat to me Kate wins that
0: I did think so he's just great all the publicity on yeah. this movie almost sank it before it got out of port yeah. it's Really I a good movie. yeah coming
2: up next, straight from his success in the Rainmaker, Matt Damon is back on the screen along with Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. The Nightfly, uh, playing uh, the Siskel and Ebert of the uh, best, uh, the last best motion picture ever announced for, best picture that completely deserved it in 1987, and then uh, uh, coming in with the, <laughs> the worst song ever, which which Dave just got loved back in 1980, but even then knew this is not a good song. But uh, I'm going to go with it anyway. Going back, oh, eighty uh, three, here's Asia. <laughs> That's stupid. And we are going to, well, I think, you know what? I think we're going to just talk about that now. This is a special show for you. My name is Dave Joskow, and this is The Nightfly. Fly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. <laughs> this <song> is August. Don't cry. Don't cry. No, oh, it's, uh, it's it's not it's not good. But uh, that's what we were going to talk about today. First of all, I just have to tell you, I mean, I just like, uh, we're, we're going to talk about the Oscars today because the Oscars suck. And you know, Dave Juskow loves the Oscars. He likes making money on the Oscars. And he just enjoys the entire Oscar process and can pretty much name, well, at least the entire 70s of everything that won Best Picture and probably some of the 80s and uh, couldn't even for a second even, I mean, I, I know what won last year, but, you know, we forget from year to year. And I got a call from our good friend, Scotty Gorenstein. He goes, hey, do you want to do, uh, you know, let's set up a date when we're going to do the Oscar podcast. I'm like, I ain't doing an Oscar podcast this year. Screw the Oscars. The Oscars stink. And we'll talk more about that in a second. And he was like, yeah, I agree. And I was glad because I, I thought for a second he was going to go, what are you talking about? Um, but he's on board with just the fact that the Oscars suck. we're going to talk about that second. But first, there was a song on the radio. (laughs) I didn't know. Wait, what year am I coming from? I'm sorry. There was a song playing on the radio I heard the other day. I heard this song, and it prompted this again. We talk about our favorite word, deep dive, because that is what this is, into this musical group. I'm going to show you the song that's actually never been put on an album that uh, started this entire process.
1: My head is hanging heavy with the thoughts of him in mind To sacrilege for us to take advantage of the blind So tell before you come to me from out of yonder skies a man's a man who looks a man right between the eyes the pain that we
2: It's not a, it's not a clean version because there there is no clean version. It's a demo version. It's the only thing that exists from this lovely song by Graham Nash Solo. Called right Between the Eyes. I think they've performed it in concert before, but it's not something that Dave Juska would usually play. He doesn't usually go back to or care for 60s music or whatever this was brought out, but I had heard the song and I had heard it many years ago and I'm like, boy, that's an interesting song. And when I'm always looking for ways to start the podcast on an interesting note going through the stratosphere of music selections since uh, nobody's bothered me yet with musical rights and stuff like that. I was looking at this song. It was a little too sad to start it. This is what I, you know, I'll play after my second cat dies. But then it got me into thinking, like, well, you know, why wasn't this on a, a, a Crosby, Stills and Nash album? And then I just started looking up, and I do enjoy doing this. I started looking up Crosby, Stills and Nash, and just, you know, I was confused by them because I don't really know any of that stuff. I'm not familiar with a lot of their stuff or stuff in that era and and what i didn't realize was that there was I, i mean i always knew about crosby stills and nash and then i always knew about crosby stills and nash and young but i don't know how it all came together and then i found out that crosby stills and nash had one powerful album that we all know lots of songs off of and then their second album was crosby stills and nash and young they didn't even have i thought they had like Three albums, there's Crosby's, there's a Nash, and then Neil Young joined the group and said, and then they made it better. But that wasn't the case at all. And then, you know, they made, they, then they made one separately and then they made one together again. And I just didn't know how the process worked. It's just, again, wasn't my cup of tea. So then I was just looking up the word supergroups because that's what they call them. And I was just, I'm like, well, that's, you know, what what exactly is a super group? And do they even make them anymore? Eh. I, I don't think they make them anymore. I think nowadays they have, you know, Ariana Grande featuring Little Nas or whatever, you know, stuff like that. And they, Maybe that's the thing. But nobody nobody gets together and creates a whole album. You know, they'll do a song together. But that's the way we remember, at least for me, you know, I remember 80s super that were all awful. I don't think there's any standing that... You know, maybe maybe well actually there there is one and I thought that's what we'd kind of go through today. And the the first what they say, the first supergroup, although they have different reasons, like but but I, I have a different version of a supergroup. Like they call Frankie Valley and the four seasons a supergroup, but that's stupid because I never heard of the other bands that they were with. Now again, that's me. Who never heard of the things. But I think you have to, I think to be a supergroup, you have to have success, real success, big success, to combine with somebody else who had the same success, and then you can be called a supergroup. And that's why they call the first true supergroup this band. Yeah, it's not Dave Jessica's favorite band but I mean you cannot deny this was huge, The song was huge the album was huge and they had lots of hits and they were from other groups I think they got but I think they got together as a band not to be like oh let's just put out an album or two but they certainly had a lot of songs together and a lot of hits No, from the uh, soundtrack from the movie Strange Brew with uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie. but you know folks I'm uh, the whole time I'm uh, doing this, I can't stop thinking of my friend uh, Dave Elliott listening to the podcast and going like no, you have it all wrong and that's gonna happen throughout so this may be the the most annoying podcast for some people <laughs> like I think Mike Sauter doesn't care because he's about alt rock, so if I did that with that he would be complaining he's he's gonna be screaming at his at his phone but and then, of course, uh, I, I couldn't uh, play the other song from Queen that we know without playing this.
0: Hey, Jimmy, I've been looking all over for you, baby. Hey, Jimmy, can I talk to you a second? Hey? Don't fuck don't him, what is it? I mastermind the goddamn thing. I'm left with that'd be up a freak out of battle if not all for right. me. Fuck him, I want my money. Henry, I want my fucking money. I had it up to here. Right. That cheap cigarette hijacking. No, fuck him. I want my money. Hotel, right? Are
1: you going to keep your mouth shut or what? Huh? more you're gonna get your money. You just gotta stop busting balls. Alright, look at me. You hear me? Look, look at me, okay? Everything's gonna be fine. Henry. What? No, oh, Henry, boy. Oh, the Henry pipes, boy. the
0: pipes are calling. <laughs> sweetheart, half make, half giddy. I'll sing one of the Italian accents.
1: And down the glen, the glen, the glen, and down the mountainside. side. <laughs>
2: that song without playing the intro to it which uh, leads to uh just the big close-up on Robert De Niro's face maybe if I kill everybody terrifying meanwhile I I didn't even know that was cream this is how bad I am I just don't the 60s music just never cut it for me what do you want me to tell you that's the way it is for me you know but this group, they're coming from, you know, which I, of course, I know, I I might not know their songs, but we know, you know, the the Yardbirds and all that kind of stuff and Ginger Breaker, Jack Jaguar, we know they created this kind of super group. This is Eric Clapton. I mean, this guy's an asshole. All he did was go from band to band, creating these super groups like uh, Blind Faith and, and Derek and the Dominoes. I mean, this guy, he just, he couldn't stay in one place. What an asshole. <laughs> but, uh. Again, you know that um, I'm looking at what they consider like there's a a page of what they consider a supergroup, and they 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 have Led Zeppelin on there now, how is Led Zeppelin a supergroup it's it's you know I mean, I know these guys came from other bands, but that's not a super group that's a couple of guys who came from other bands to say, we're done with our other bands, and now we're forming this one that's it's it's too legendary, and they're too much of a band. To be called a super group, I think I didn't. I can't believe that was in here. I mean, Jimmy Page came from the Yardbirds again. I don't know it as of, and then but Robert Plant came from Band of Joy. I again, I know there's people out there going like, what do you? You don't know the, the 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 music of Band of Joy, so I I can't consider that a supergroup. And then you know, then they have Grand Funk Railroad. How is that? Because one guy came from Terry Knight and the Pack. Come on, that's how is that a. That would be like me saying I'm in a super group because you might remember my band that did the Willy Wonka show called the Crusaders of Science, but you never heard of them before. It's ridiculous. They even have the nerve to call ABBA a super group. But, you know, f- from I mean, what, what where are we going to know uh, hey, from uh, the Swedish bands that everybody loves? You know, I mean, that's it's just silly. And then they call in 1973, they call Journey a Supergroup. But it is interesting when I'm looking at the why they call them, that there's a couple guys from Santana and then a couple guys from Steve Miller, but uh, that's way before my time, I guess I never thought of them as a supergroup, but I know that they fit into other supergroups. But yeah, I, I don't see how you can consider Journey a supergroup, because Journey was just a band. These guys formed the band. So again, I just can't consider it a supergroup. At least for me. You know, this is what I'm saying. So, because they're even calling Toto a supergroup, but that's ridiculous. Because Toto is, a, you know, a thing, and there's like a hundred people in that band, and you know, they made their own albums, which you know, were they, they 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 were all content with being in Toto. That's where they're known from. I mean, we could go over this a hundred of times until what I consider the first real supergroup. But that could be again because you know, it was 1982 and I was around and I remember it came out and even though we were making fun of it before to me the first super group is this
1: I never meant to be so bad to you One thing I said that I Right this
2: I guess, listen, I mean, this we've d- done an entire podcast on this and what this for stupid album meant to me, which I don't think, I don't know whether it holds up, or I guess it does for me, you know, it's a, it's a personal thing, but I re- just remember this, but of course, yeah, th- there it is. It's just, it's a matter of where I was and how old I was, and I guess because, I guess if you look at that band, you're like, oh yeah, I can see them being super because I remember these bands they mentioned and stuff, but for this one, it was... These guys from uh, Yes and Emerson Lake and Palmer, two guys from Yes, and then Emerson Lake and Palmer, and I guess you know I knew those bands, so I guess that's what it just comes down to. But but they were really popular. Yes, and Emerson Lake and Palmer were really popular, so it made sense to me that this and this you know was an unbelievable album at the time. And then, of course, we played that, uh, well, I'm not going to replay it for the uh, Don't Cry song, which is their second album, which didn't work at all. So really, it's the one album. Then, of course, they had their third album, which was just this, was the worst song ever. Actually, have a lot of nerve, even putting this out. So bad. Can't really compare this to Cream. No, not really. Not really classic. No. But you can definitely tell what decade it's from. I just don't see Martin Scorsese using this in a movie anytime soon. I, do, I just don't see it. I just... I don't even see Dave Jessica using this in a movie anytime soon. You know what? I can see Dave do doing with it like he did with um, uh, Staying Alive. <laughs> this, you know, Far From Over. You can see like, no, I, I do <laughs> tell Memo. I'm like, no, no, I'll sing it. And, uh, you yeah, know, don't worry. I'll get the rights. <laughs> hey, Asia, you mind if we get the rights to Go. One of your ultimate classics. Uh, but meanwhile, they're still touring as Asia. So that's a true super group. I don't think you're going to see Eric Clapton touring with uh, Derek and the Dominoes anytime soon or anything. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, that that's to me that this is the the real true you know, super groups that came around. And then in 1984, I totally remember because then I remember Asia being a super group. Again, again, this has got to be just my age. What I'm saying, right? The supergroups, but you always remember the total supergroups uh, when they because they went in two different directions with this song. They were a super group because they think they had... It was the two games from Duran Duran, but not Simon Bon because he went to another super group. So it's Robert Palmer and then the Taylor Brothers formed the Power Station. They did two albums together. This song was pretty big, but it wasn't great. But it certainly made some uh, made a little noise in the business. And then remember they did this uh, remake. But this was the other one. God, it was a long way to go to get to the chorus. Jesus Christ, they stink. I mean, that's pretty much all there was. There's no reason. I I mean, who cares? No one cares. But they can't call themselves a supergroup because it was just the members of Duran Duran without a couple of the other members of Duran Duran doing a side project. So it's technically not a supergroup. But you probably remember, if you're like my age, what a big deal it was that they split up and went to two different bands. And that hits... But I think the Power Station was a little bigger, but I'm always going to like Simon LeBond's voice, but that Election Day song blows. <laughs> that's quite frankly, so does the Power Station. Oh. And then, of course, I remember GTR, because it was, again, another a guy, a couple, uh, one guy from Genesis, a guy from Yes, and they had one song, which sucked. But I remember, but see, for me, I guess that's a super because it's the guy from Yes, which was actually a guy from Asia, that's <laughs> Steve Howe, and he's all over the place. And they, I just, I remember them coming out. It's got the '80s feel and the big band nonsense. GTR, here they are. they're doing? with ones, where the hard rules of life. I think you're gonna like it. <laughs> all awful. First, when you have a sound like this This epic feel to it Then it feels like a super group Even if you suck
1: Mother, take me, take me from
2: Which Rob Lowe movie was this from In the 80s I don't uh, Oh my god Can't tell. Listen, this is embarrassing me. This is how much this is bad. And, and these people were writing the songs for me. Dave Jessica. They're like, well, I hope Jessica will like it. No, he, he likes this kind of
1: stuff. They were thinking that. Oh
2: boy, that's pretty goddamn bad. That is pretty goddamn bad. <laughs> but here's an interesting one that, you know, I don't care for, but it's definitely a super group. You are talking about Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, and Chris Christofferson. You put those guys together, you got yourself a super group. <music>
1: but I am still alive I was a sailor I was born upon the tide With the sea I did abide I sailed a schooner around the Horn of Mexico I went aloft to furled the, the mainsail in a blow I slipped and fell into the wet concrete below They buried me in that great tomb that knows no sound But I'm still around I'll always be around Last starship the universe
2: I was waiting for Johnny Cash to come in. And
1: when I reach the other side,
2: it's not a bad song.
1: I'll find a place to rest my spirit if I can.
2: It's not a bad song at all, and it's definitely a super group. I mean, Jesus, you know, like so that's what I'm saying. Like, I, you know, I don't care for them, but uh, you can't deny they are not a super group. And then they have uh, an interesting listing, which you don't think of as supergroup, but I suppose they were, and that would be Mike and the Mechanics, who are still making albums to this day. And you remember them. That's uh, Mike Rutherford from Genesis. And then you have Paul Carrick from Squeeze. I mean, that guy was all over the place, so it's really Mike Rutherford's band, so it's not a technical supergroup, I think. But, you know, you added that guy, Paul Young, you know, who, who died. I didn't even know he was dead. That guy who uh, did the remake of the Hall & Oates, the... Uh, a goddamn classic. What? What movie is? It's from one of our favorite uh, John Hughes movies. Oh, right. Um, train, planes, trains, and automobiles. That's right. <laughs> I couldn't think of John Hughes. I was thinking of kids, but that's right. Well, this is a classic. This is the only thing he's known for. So, if you put him in a band, do you really call it a supergroup? Plus, he ripped off somebody else's song, made it better, but just saying, yo. I think about this song a lot because I, I like the way they have that little in the background. It's just so fucking depressing. But yeah, Mike and the Mechanics—they still make. I don't want to play any of their songs because their songs were always depressing. But they're, they're still making. They actually uh, made one like two years ago, and I was listening to it, and it wasn't bad. Mm
1: -hmm. On a lonely planet, this chaos in this high. And everybody's looking for someone who is gonna share their
2: I mean, it's adult, it's adult contemporary, you know, but uh, why wouldn't it be? The guy's like 70. I like it. But, you know, I'm almost 70, so I guess it makes sense. But that's Mike and the Mechanics. Came out two years ago. Going out of the blue.
1: Eh,
2: I like the fact that the guy's still trying. I enjoy that. It's not awful. I could see, uh, maybe uh, listen to this in my car if I'm uh, just looking to be mellow be cool with the cops (laughs) and then of course you know tin machine with david bowie but again i'm I'm not sure if you'd call it a super group though because if you're going to be in a a a super group and and david bowie's going to be in a in a band i mean if david bowie's in a band it's kind of cool but is it really a super group if you're in a, a band with soupy sales kids but my favorite supergroup that, you know, completely holds up for me and it's a real supergroup is of course this one. Well, I kind of fooled you a little bit because that's not a song that they're known for, but I just wanted it because it's a classic. The setup and everything just makes it sound like a super group, whether they were or not. But this is the one, of course, that they're known for.
1: It on me. And there's no way of breaking free. And then I see you reach for me.
2: I mean, it's just the epic setup of just screams to me, I guess, in my head, and you hate it, you hate it, but it screams supergroup in every, <laughs> I just the way it's all like so just massive. It's so funny. I know it doesn't really hold up, and of course they had that second album, which I've, played on this stupid podcast before because for some reason this is my favorite song and it didn't go anywhere nobody liked it except me Bad English. And it certainly was a supergroup. if you're, you know, in the 80s. It's uh, John Waite, of course, and then Neil Schaap from Journey, Jonathan Kane from Journey, Ricky Phillips, you know, from the babies as well. And I mean, that's a super group, all right. It is. It is. I think they, uh, they cross, they check all the boxes, as we uh, might call it. And then, really, I don't think anybody disagrees with this one. If they, I mean, really, this could be the... I mean, Cream, we would definitely, definitely call a supergroup, right? Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young are super group, So, But I'm saying, okay, so we've looked at Dave Juskow's supergroups. But I can't imagine that anyone, if we're talking about what's a true supergroup that no one's going to have an issue with, because they can say, well, like, I'm not a big Journey fan, or I'm not a this fan... There is no way you do not call this band possibly even the greatest supergroup of all time, whether you like it or not, the epitome of the word supergroup.
1: Say And I've been shot down. You're the best thing that I've ever found. Handle me with care. Reputation's changeable. Situation's terrible.
2: sorry i let it play for a while because it's just so entertaining it's unbelievable how do you not call these guys a super group i mean they are really the epitome of a complete supergroup. you are talking about just every person and it is a complete living legend bob dylan tom petty jeff lynn roy orbison and that guy from the beatles <laughs> right i mean that's the gag and they made two albums and they were all really fun and they all had really good senses of humor so they didn't take themselves seriously like Bad English or Asia they, they even named it Travel, Traveling Wilburys Volume 1 and then their second album is Traveling Wilburys Volume 3 ha <laughs> these guys
1: well it's
2: I like listening to George Harrison's voice. I like him better than everybody else. Just said he was so cool, right? Really, the epitome of cool. I mean, all these guys were pretty cool. George Harrison. Are they all dead? It, Jeff Lynn is still alive.
1: That's
2: right, I'm still mad at him. Oh, no, Dylan's still alive. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, well, man, George Harrison was cool. His voice was so sweet. And, of course, from that, uh, or maybe uh, that came before, but the that amazing Cloud 9 album, which was more like a... I know it sounds ridiculous. Uh, if you're a Beatle, you really don't need a comeback, but it certainly was uh, a way to make people from the 80s realize that George Harrison was pretty goddamn cool because, <laughs> I mean, you kind of win the prize. If you're... Uh, in a band with john lennon and paul mccartney and somehow 20 years later you're able to just be so cool and have hits and people are like hey you remember this guy for the beatles there's the other guy they were talking about they they don't really mention him a lot yeah. yeah this guy's okay yeah i mean jesus christ and uh wow right seriously right there's there's just no other comparison there's no other comparison it's not like Hey, uh, Phil Collins uh, got overshadowed by Peter Gabriel uh, you know whatever and then he came out on us no no there's there's no comparison it, well it, the only comparison would be if um you know uh, who's that guy that I can't stand I mean I like him, but he's he's so angry uh the the drummer Steve Stuart Copeland from the police and all of a sudden this guy had was the coolest guy and he had multiple hits you know in the 2000s. And, you know, he was able to get a sting shadow. You know, I mean, maybe that's not even a good comparison because you're talking about the greatest musicians of all time ever and now until the end of time Lennon and McCartney. And then, and you're also in their band. It's like Gilligan's Island. It's like, and the rest. <clears throat> George Harrison's the professor in Marianne. And all of a sudden, the professor had a successful, you know, uh, that would be hilarious if the professor had had a successful Sunday Night Mystery movie, like a Columbo series. And he's like, you remember Russell John? He was like, and the rest from Gilligan's Nightly. He did all right for himself. Yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> and But it, but it's not, because Gilligan's Nightly nobody cares about. You're talking about a major supergroup. The, 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 you know, you got called it a supergroup because they started to get whatever, whatever. And, of course, they were from other bands. Aren't they a they But they came from other places. But... You know, they, I guess, well, maybe they didn't. I don't know. Mike Sautner. See, now Mike Sauter's getting upset. Anyway, the point is, Jesus Christ, that is just the funniest thing. I don't know why it just is. Because it's George, George Harrison. What did you do before the Traveling Wilburys? Huh? Oh. It's hard to say. Well, I was in this band in the 60s. I, I know, the 60s were a long time ago but we did we yeah we had a couple of good we made some coin we had a couple of hits and uh then you know i moved on did you write any of the songs i wrote a couple i don't know have you ever heard of here comes the sun i mean i don't i don't don't know you know i'm just uh you do any other albums Uh, we did this concept one called sergeant pepper but you probably wouldn't know it um it's pretty good they made a movie about it, but it unfortunately starred the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton. So, oh, I saw that. Oh, that's not good at all. Yeah, no, I know. it's It wasn't really my idea. And so, you know, until I got to the Wilburys, really, I, you know, really didn't really come into my own. But yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You know, kind of leave the this group called the Beatles behind me and, you know, move on. And another super group, of course, in the 80s, they were just coming together of course, we all know <laughs> the, the song that got us through Desert Storm. We don't need to talk about it anymore.
1: Yesterday is just a memory and we close the door.
2: I'm talking about Damn Yankees, and if you are not, if you don't think that's a supergroup, then you'd be mistaken. You're talking about Ted Nugent, Tommy Shaw from Styx, of course, Jack Blades from Night Ranger, and Michael Cardiglione from, well, Leonard Skinner. Anyway, they, listen, from Styx and Night Ranger alone, and you added Ted Nugent, you got a supergroup. They made two albums in the 90s, and that particular one was what the troops were listening to in In the Desert Storm War in 1990. And that is a supergroup. And then that was 1989. So then really, uh, then it was over. Well, you know, I'll tell you, a major supergroup in 1990. The three tenors. It's a fact. Placido Domingo, Luciano Pavarotti, and the other guy. Like they said in Seinfeld. The other guy? Jose Carreras. That is a supergroup. That's why we said the highway man. You got to recognize it. You put those three idiots together. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> oh, they were a supergroup, Fo- folks. I mean, listen. There's a Seinfeld episode d- dedicated to 1990. You know those guys were big. And when you when you have people recognizing opera, you have done a. You are a supergroup, and you have to recognize them. And remember, as I told you, uh, Pavarotti used to live across the street from me, and he used to hate when I used to play this kind of music out my window. When she dances and she prances and she, (laughs) stop it. (laughs) He would come over and take my ukulele and smash it over my head. And then, of course, I said, as you know, this means wall. (laughs) But he did live across the street, you know, where the Trumps live. Hey, they're a fun group. Well, listen, I, I just I, I wanted to just say this uh, about the Academy Awards while we uh, have some time left. I'm pissed, for obvious reasons, that they're even doing an Academy Awards this year. Now, I was upset that they're even doing uh, the March Madness, but they missed it last year, so well, what are you going to do? I'm upset that they're doing baseball because... You know, the Mets aren't even playing this because of COVID. I, I don't I'm upset about everything. I don't want anything to open up. But the Oscars, they got a mistake. They were able to get through it fine last year as if there was no problems because it was in February. But this year you just you just gotta cancel it. You gotta cancel it. They're doing all these awards shows because it's it's like an automatic. Don't they get and, and they're all sucked. The ratings are down because no one cares. There's no good movies. There's no good movies. We've already said this is this is the listing. Of the hits, I have not heard of any. The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, No No Nomad Land, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Trial of Chicago 7. Who what, who what the fuck is going on? Why are you having the Oscars? The Oscars stink. And I'm talking about that, even though as much as I complain about the Oscars, last year, not only did I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Of the 10. I saw 7 of the 10. I was interested in seeing 7 of the 10. I was excited to see 7 of the 10. And that's how bad this is. Because even though I get angry about the Oscars. And of course Parasite won last year. Which is a terrific move. And win. Because that movie was great. We were talking about Parasite. 1917. Which was great. I didn't see Ford versus Ferrari. The Irishman, remember that? That was only last year, which was great and fun. Jojo Rabbit, which was really good. Joker, we all know how much money that made. I did not see The Little Woman. The Marriage Story, which I hated, but I saw it. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so, again, let's just do it. I mean, why you have? it? I've never heard of any of these movies. So you know, and what so so here's the directors for this year, okay? Lee Isaac Chung, Emerald Finelli, Thomas Vinterberg, Chloe Zhao. I who the fuck are these people? The only one I know is David Fincher. And last year, this is who you had. Now we know Bong Joon Ho won for Parasite. He deserved it, and he was amazing, and he's done some really interesting stuff like. uh What's that one that's on TBS or TNT the, about the train? But we're th- listen to the other guys: Sam Mendez, Todd Phillips, Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino, all ones we know and we've heard of. I mean, what the f- why even have the Oscars? Isn't that lovely? Oh, you get these other people. They didn't release any movies. They didn't make any movies. It just pisses me off. I don't know why? Who cares? In the year before, you had the Green Book, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, A Star is Born. I mean, you know, these are movies we could at least seek our teeth into, and you know how angry I was about the stupid shape of water winning, but at least I saw it, and it's Guillermo del Toro. I mean, call me by your name, I never want to talk about it again, Dunkirk, Get Out, lady bird phantom thread the post three billboards outside ebbing missouri i saw like again six to seven out of the ten and that's 2017 there's always going to be years where you don't care but i can go down every list and we know that the movies that they make best picture they don't they're not going to hold up that's why we play titanic at the beginning that's the last one that's the last one 1997 titanic the only one that holds up in an epic, like that's the last of the, as, as Gene, uh, Roger Ebert said, the last of the, the true, how this is a major Hollywood motion picture. And then you go down the line, Shakespeare in Love. Who remembers that? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Well, you know, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's not like Titanic. Oh, Titanic. Shakespeare in Love. All right. American Beauty. Oh, yeah. Gladiator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful Mind. Chicago, Lord of the Rings, well, you know, whatever, that, that one, but still it's like, oh, yeah, right, that one, Best Picture, Million Dollar Baby, Crash, The Departed, No Country for Old Men. I would say the only one that can maybe hold its own because it's used as references so many times would be Slumdog Millionaire. People talk about that when they're like, you know, I, I like Indian people, I've seen Slumdog Millionaire. I right? you know that was like a, a big movie in a way. It's the only one I could think of where people would be like, oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You know, instead of like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know? The Hurt Locker, the King's Speech, the artist, oh my god. Argo, fuck him. 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, fuck that. Spotlight, as we call the Michael Keaton years. Moonlight, Shape of Stupid Water, Green Book. Parasite could be, I wonder if that would be on a The Slumdog Millionaire, at least, lists like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. But really, since Titanic, that's it. That's the end of anything that was spectacular and great. And, of course, uh, you know, before that, you'd have to go Forrest Gump, 94. You know, then they had other ones, Schindler's List. I mean, oh, yeah, you know, you might not like it, but, I mean, let's, we talk about it. Silence of the Lambs. There's ones in between we don't talk about. But, I mean, I just named three movies from the 90s that are staples that air consistently on TBS or TNT or, you know, or you talk about them in everyday life or they still make, uh, you know, like, you know, like Little C. I mean, Silence of the There's there's a show on right now called Clarice on CBS. I know they don't make movies like they used to, but it's just, I'm just... I guess they all just suck. Meanwhile, again, if I, if it Get Out had won, I think you or Black Panther, I think people would have just said, "Yeah." Because if you it, I, pff, maybe, I don't know. It just I'm just so eight. There's like now it's going to be another year where it's just a bunch of crap. And the '80s technically were a bad year, a bad decade. You know where we were talking about the Grammys, where we know every album and it's a staple. The '80s just awful. And that's my favorite decade. Ordinary People, Chariots of Fire, Gandhi, Terms of Endearment, Amadeus. I'm not saying Amadeus isn't one of my favorite movies, but do we remember? Is it like The Godfather? You know what I'm saying? Out of Africa, Platoon, maybe. Last Emperor, Rain Man. I mean, it's great, but do we talk about it all the time? Driving Miss Daisy. That's the whole 80s for you. Meanwhile, you go back to the 70s. I mean, you got classics: Kramer versus Kramer, The Deer Hunter, Annie Hall, Rock. I'm going in order: Rocky, One Flew Over the Cougar's Nest, Godfather Part Two, The Sting, The Godfather, French Connection, Patton. I mean, some of them aren't, you know, like, oh yeah, I for-, you know, there are those forgot, and then there's just like, holy shit, right? And really, you just go from uh, Gone with the Wind to Titanic, and that ends. That ends. Everything. They should just stop making movies at that point. No, you know, of course, we. there's a bunch of movies we like, but I'm just, I'm just, that's why I, I told Scotty, I mean, where's, you know, gay Scotty Gornstein is not gonna, he's even like, yeah, fuck this year. You know, like, because I, I thought for sure he'd be like, what are you talking about? Promising young woman is unbelievable. And maybe it is. Everybody's been telling me, Minari, I gotta see. I, I don't know. They tell me, I gotta see that. You know, it was on Jeff uh, Ross's uh little stereo thing and he's like well, I that's really good it's really good everybody's saying it's really good so maybe it is but i mean have you have you heard anyone talking about these movies where it was like last year like did you see parasite oh my god it's amazing did you see parasite and i know everybody's just home and they're all like i mean but it's still there'd be like it, it, it's like uh, what, what's the perfect example something that something came out on hbo max it's not wonder woman um I don't know, Like, but remember when The Irishman came out on Netflix and everybody was talking about it. Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? There's not one of these movies that anyone cares about. Now, maybe the issue is we haven't been together, so maybe we haven't seen anything and talked about it. But I don't know. I talk about that kind of stuff on the phone all the time. I would call somebody up. I saw Jojo Rabbit right here in my apartment by myself. And then I talked to people like, oh, have you seen Jojo Rabbit yet? Remember, you know how it is. The Oscars, it's fun. We love talking about it. We like gambling on it. We like, everybody likes it. It's fun. The Oscars, what they even, I'm talking about last year. It's a good time. It's exciting. It's the movie business. It's the way it was. And what did they do? And I mention this all the time. In the 40s, they didn't have any Oscars because it was World War II. So why can't you just have an asterisk over 2021 and just say, which are your 2020 movies, and just say COVID-19 or pandemic? Why? I mean, I know why you're doing it. It's all money. It's all sponsors, but I ain't going to watch it. I couldn't care less. I'll tell you one good thing. The Screen Actors Awards are on. Uh, they're going to be... But they're only an hour. Now, that's brilliant. There you go. Now, again, who cares? They've sent me all these movies. I couldn't think about watching any one of them. I, I mean, I, and, and again, I haven't heard anybody say, oh, you got to see Mank. You got to see Mank. No one has called me and said, oh, my God, did you see that? They're all available Online, it's not like you got to go to the movie theater to see it. Every single one is available online. And I don't care, and apparently neither does anybody else. So the only good that can come out of this Oscar ceremony is if, uh, and I don't even know whether he's nominated, but if Sasha Baron Cohen could win something because, well, he's the best. That's like, uh, you know, you know how angry I was about Sylvester Stallone not winning for Creed. I'm still very angry my god i mean you give out such crap to people that suck you can't just give this guy and I, i'm not going to go into it again I, I think i got like four podcasts in a row where i'm so angry that sylvester stallone didn't get his due what's the matter with me <laughs> but you can't say i'm a, i i'm an american god damn it and this guy created so many good movies and so many good characters you can't just throw him a best supporting oscar for a character look i'm doing it again i gotta relax I gotta relax, and you know how excited I get. I really need Parasite to win. I need Parasite to win. Parasite is so goddamn good. You know, it's like with my Broadway shit. I'm like, you know, there's just no other word to put it how gay it is. But I'm just like, if Christine Ebersole doesn't win for Great Gardens, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> or Ben Platt, as we know, you know how I get too excited. It's, weird and gay as it just may be there's just no other way to put it um i just get so excited so that's what just and and this year i mean even when there's bad years and i'm like ah what is this what is this in fact from now on i'm just going to be like i'm going to be like well no i'm always excited i mean i just get excited when the wrong thing wins you know If Get Out doesn't win and they just give it to the stupid, stupid shape of water which no one will ever watch again. When there's a movie like Get Out, which is out there, which again, if you make it win Best Picture, it solves all your problems with diversity in one fell swoop. It's a really good movie. It's diverse, it's interesting, it's got a message, and it's entertaining as hell. And all of a sudden, you got a movie with a a first-time director that's just badass cool. No, they gave it to the Shape of Water, the exact opposite. And all they do is complain about diversity, diversity, diversity. And then you get the Shape of Fucking Water. Jesus, goddamn Christ. That movie sucked so much. There are people that uh, say, Dave, you have no idea what you're talking about, but I disagree. Anyway, folks, I think that's the uh, end of our show today. I hope you liked it. A oh, little different show. Play a lot of music, talk a lot of movies. I think it's super fun, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, next week should be fun as well, as it always is when we are talking about the Night Live Podcast because nothing is better than the high podcast. It's the best podcast in the world, and everybody knows it, and so you should. Make sure you tell your friends. If you want a podcast that just talks about nothing that happened in 2021, then this is the podcast for you. If you want a podcast that talks about just stuff from 50 or 60 years ago, even before the person who does the podcast was born, then this show is for you. But I'm, all that kidding aside, I had such a great time today, and I hope everybody's doing great,
1: and I'll see you next time on the now. In-